You may know you're listening to this show along the Marketing Podcast Network, but did you know there are other great shows on MPN to help your business? Christy Heiler hosts a fantastic podcast called Own It. Christy, tell us more about the show. Own It is all about celebrating women and non-binary advertising agency owners. We talk about buying out of the Boys Club of Advertising because less than 1% of ad agencies are owned by women. And where can people subscribe? You can find the podcast at untilyouownit.com. We're also on the Marketing Podcast Network at marketingpodcast.net. And of course, you can subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. You heard her. Go subscribe. Welcome to the Fearless Business Podcast, sharing with you the business behind running a business. We're your hosts, Jamie Lieberman and Mary Clavier. Each week, we'll be bringing you great guests, insights from our experiences, and a behind-the-scenes look at all the topics you may be afraid to tackle in your business, but shouldn't be. So sit back, get comfy, and let's get started. Welcome to episode 164 of the Fearless Business Podcast. This is Jamie, and today I am talking all about hiring. This is a topic that I actually really love to talk about because it was something that I was fairly terrified to do in my own business, and I waited entirely too long. Uh, One of the pieces of advice that I give to many new clients that I talk to that are just starting businesses is... When you think that you need to hire an employee, you've probably waited too long. There are so many reasons that people feel nervous or uncomfortable with hiring, and I understand that, so I'm not even going to attempt to minimize that (laughs) because I fully understand how scary that prospect is. There are lots of different factors that can go into hiring, and so I want to talk about some of those factors that maybe don't need to feel as scary as they normally are. Some of the reasons that I hear for people not hiring sooner are, I can do it myself, or it would take me way longer to explain it to somebody else, I'm faster, I'm more efficient, nobody will do it as well as I do, Um, and frankly, the thought of even considering that process is just so scary, and there's so many factors that I can't even begin to think about it. Really, at the end of the day, a lot of those reasons, they're true. It can be really overwhelming. There's a lot of factors that you can think about, but a lot of it comes down to fear of delegation. And so when we're afraid to delegate, you're not going to be able to grow because at a certain point, your business will cap out because you only have so many hours in a day. And if you're in a space where you're good with that, then that's great. You don't need to hire. But if you are looking to scale and if you are looking to increase your revenue and not work, 36 hours a day, you're going to have to hire at a certain point. And so I put together a little bit of a framework that will help you when you sit down and think about hiring. How do I hire? What am I going to do? What do I need to think about? And what are some of the legal implications that I need to think about? Because this is a big one that most people ignore and frankly don't want to deal with or deal with incorrectly. The first thing that I want to think about is who who do you need to hire, right? Like, let's start there. So who do you need to hire? Who would be the best person to fill that role? And I don't mean a specific individual. I mean, who is your ideal candidate? What kind of skills does that person have? 
How would you characterize the worker? This is where the legal stuff comes in. Are they an employee or are they going to be a contractor? How are you going to entrain this employee and how do you plan to manage them? What is your management style? I know Mary last week touched on this as sort of a project. I know Mary also talks a lot about management styles. Um, and so I'm going to give you some of my insights on those as well. So let's start with who do you need? I am of the mindset that I like to hire first the thing that I hate to do the most. It's the thing that I dread doing, or frankly, the thing I'm not that good at. It makes it so much easier and palatable to actually hire because you're actually getting rid of something that you don't enjoy doing. So start with a list of the activities that you struggle with or the list of the activities that continue to go on your to-do list every single week and you don't get them done. For me, that was operations. I really struggled with putting processes in place. I struggled with my CRM. I knew I had to do it in order to run my business, but I'm really not great at it. And I knew that was the first place I needed to hire. And so think about what those are. What are those tasks that you need? And once you start looking at those tasks, you'll probably quickly come up with a job description, and you'll also come up with a job title. So write it out freehand. It doesn't need to be anything more formal than that when you're starting, because then you're going to go through the process of creating a job description. With that job description, you're going to work it through it multiple times. Look online, see other job descriptions, see different ways that you can create this job description so that it serves and helps you find the right person and the right fit for this job. I'm a huge proponent of reaching into my network, not of friends. I do not recommend hiring friends, but friends of friends. Almost all of my hires at Hashtag Legal were friends of friends. And it works out really well because you have a connection, but it's not such a personal connection that it'll be in the middle of management. So think about who you need to fill, who is going to best fill that role. And that is really important. And once you get that down, you'll have a great idea of where you need to look. Look in your network, there are certain job boards, there might be some great Facebook groups that you can tap into, and you frankly might have some friends that work in this area who may be able to refer you to somebody who could help you with the hiring process. In some cases, recruiters or hiring firms are a great place to go. It really depends. Or you may start with an agency. I know a lot of people who start working with VAs or virtual assistants, they'll go to a VA agency. So put the net out wide, Talk to lots of different people, particularly with your first hire. Once you make your first hire, it's way easier. It's like you ripped off the Band-Aid, you won't feel as nervous about it, all your processes will be set in place, and you'll feel a lot more confident. But that very first hire is often a huge hurdle, and it's really terrifying. So figuring out who you need, figuring out the ideal candidate who can fill that role. And so when I looked at the ideal candidate to fill the role, I actually didn't focus on people who had experience in the legal profession, except for my lawyers. Obviously, any attorney I was going to hire had to have experience. But my operations manager, my assistants, those types of individuals, I did not require that they had experience in the legal field because I could teach that. But what I couldn't teach were some of those soft skills I needed like someone who is extremely organized, someone who's very communicative, someone who's direct, all of those things I knew that I needed, it didn't matter to me where the person had worked. I really wanted though somebody who had worked in a high touch, high customer service type of environment because I knew that interfacing with our clients was gonna be key and it was really important to me that they had the same customer service standards I did. So how did I test for that? 
Attention to detail and high levels of customer service was really key for me. So I built in small tasks into my job description for those things. For example, with attention to detail, I actually asked that all of the applicants put in a specific subject matter line into their email. And anybody who didn't do that, then I knew that they didn't have the attention to detail that I was looking for. So there's lots of little ways that you can whittle down the multiple applications that you're going to get through your job description and to test for those soft skills that are gonna be really important for you. Every single job is different. And so it's, it's great to talk to your friends. It's great to hear what they're doing in their businesses. But at the end of the day, your business is unique and what you need for your business based on what type of leader that you are, based on the type of skills that you're looking for, who your clients are, what you need, that's going to be important for you and needs to be catered specific to your job descriptions. Now that we're looking for a job description, we know the role that we're going to fill. We've written our job description and we're ready to start hiring, but am I hiring a contractor or an employee? So this is one that a lot of people don't give a lot of thought to until too late or until later down the road when they start rethinking it or hear a podcast like this one. What is the distinction between the two? So a contractor is basically a 1099. It is somebody who you do not take payroll taxes, unemployment, workers' compensation, any of that out of their paycheck. They're paid on a project basis. Sometimes they're based on um, a certain amount of time that they're going to be working for you. But a contractor is really an individual who the employer does not have true control over. They give a project and at the end of that project, there's an end result. So me as an attorney, I am a true contractor because I am tasked to do a specific job, like write a contract or draft a trademark application. And at the end of that, I send an invoice and we close out the project. The person or the client who's hiring me has no control over how, when, and where I create that work. And so I'm not an employee. An employee is determined whether or not um, you are an employee or a contractor really based on your state's laws. So this is really important and this is very confusing to a lot of people. So the first thing you have to think about is where are you located as the employer and where is the employee slash contractor going to be located? Wherever they're located, if you have a work, virtual workforce, that is the state's laws that you're going to look at wherever they're working from. Those are the important state laws. So each state has different standards by which we determine whether somebody should be characterized as a contractor or somebody should be characterized as an employee. There are too many tests for this for me to go into. I'm going to give you some general rules and guides so you have a general idea of what those tests look like. Importantly, California is completely different than all the other states. It's very, very strict, and it's actually very challenging to hire contractors in California. So it is really important if you're working with someone in California and you've determined that they are a contractor, just make sure that you are correct. Um, talk to an attorney. An attorney would be able to help you with that distinction. And that can be anywhere, any state. Just make sure that you're chatting with someone so that you know you've characterized someone correctly. So generally speaking, these are the types of questions that you're going to want to be asking yourself when deciding whether or not someone is a contractor or an employee. Whether or not the person is full-time, if they're maintaining full-time hours, whether or not you as the employer are going to dictate when, where, and how the employee performs the job, 
whether or not the employer provides detailed instructions about how to complete the job, whether or not the job is ongoing, whether it is in the business of the company. So for example, me, if I were to hire a lawyer to do more than one project for me, but per se ongoing legal work for my clients, that person would likely be an employee. Do you provide equipment for this individual? Does this individual have an email address? Are they paid on an hourly salary or on a project basis? Does the employee provide services for anyone but you? And so if that person is a company and they have multiple clients, the odds are they might be less of an employee and likely more of a contractor. All of these factors though, there's no wrong or right answer. And there's also no sort of equation that'll get you to the right answer. It is just looking at all the facts and circumstances, how you answer those questions will determine whether or not someone's a contractor or somebody's an employee. I just want it to be clear that the more control, generally speaking, that you have over an employee, meaning you give them job feedback, you give them equipment, you tell them where to be, you tell them when to be working, your clients think they're an employee, the odds are they might be an employee. And so you may be asking yourself, like, why do I even care about this? Why does it matter? Well, the issue is the state where your employee is working, they want to collect their taxes um, and they also want to protect their employees that are working in their states. So they want to make sure that you are paying into workers' compensation in case your employee gets hurt and unemployment in case your employee gets laid off so that they're able to collect unemployment. And so that's when things get a little bit tripped up is when you have an employee who you let go or you have a contractor that you let go and that contractor goes and files for unemployment the unemployment division looks and sees, oh, this person was characterized wrong, you could actually be on the hook for a lot of fees and fines. So there's a lot of different laws which govern whether or not someone is an employee or a contractor, both on the state level and the federal level, and it's really, really confusing. This is why I always recommend when you're doing hiring, at least have a consultation with an attorney so they could talk about the laws that are relevant to you. There are so many different tests for this, but nine times out of 10, the important tests that you need to be worried about or thinking about are those state level tests as they relate to workers' compensation and unemployment. Those tend to be the key, but there are loads of other tests and loads of other scenarios where this can come up and it can get really confusing because there's not one uniform test. So I just wanna make that clear so that you guys have an understanding that this is a really complex subject and I'm just giving you really general guidelines but these general guidelines will usually give you enough information so you can determine which way is the right way to go. And if you are completely lost, like I said, talk to an employment attorney. They can absolutely help you out and guide you through this process. So after you decide whether somebody is an employee or a contractor, like what are some of the other things that you need to think about? So you've figured out who you want to hire. You've figured out what their job description is, what you're going to pay them. You've interviewed all the amazing people. You've decided this person's an employee or this person's a contractor, and I know who they are. Well, where do we go from there? So what do I need? You're going to need a contract no matter what, in my opinion. I believe that you really need to, if you're hiring an independent contractor, you need to make sure you have a contractor agreement. If you're hiring an employee, you want an employment agreement. For both of these types of relationships, you want to make sure not only you're protecting yourself, 
your intellectual property, the work product, everything that's being created for you, your confidentiality, your client list. There's so many factors that go into it. But you also want to make sure that you're protecting the employee so the employee has the tools that they need in order to be able to do their job well, because it's really important to start off that relationship on the right foot. So having a really good contract in place will certainly help you determine um, what the boundaries of that relationship are and your employee or your contractor will know exactly what to expect from you. You should have some employment policies in place if you're hiring an employee. If you only have one employee, you may not need something as detailed as like a 50-page employment handbook. Those are really scary to some people. But having certain policies in place like time off, knowing your state's laws for time off is important as well, leave, discrimination, there's lots of different policies that can go into an employment uh, relationship. You also would want to know how somebody asks for time off, um, whether or not you have set hours that the person needs to be working, if you have certain codes of conduct, if it's an in-person type of um, job, is there a specific dress code? There's lots of different policies that you can have and these can change over time. So thinking about the types of policies that you wanna have for your employees and your contractors is really important. Like I said before, if you are hiring contractors, you have a lot less control over them. So you may not need policies except for just what your expectations are upon completion of the project. And if you are creating policies for your contractors, you may want to look at it and think, oh, maybe this person is actually an employee. If you're hiring an employee, you need a good payroll service. I really love Gusto. They do a great job. They will also help you with your workers' compensation insurance and unemployment. Make sure you know the laws of the state where your employee is working, whether it's where you're located or where, um, and they happen to be in the same state as you, or if you have a work virtual workforce, have an understanding of the laws of the state where your employee is located. And sometimes remember that when you hire outside of your state, you may have to register to do business in that other state because you're technically doing business there. So talk to your attorney and your accountant about that as well. And the last thing that you need to think about is after you've done all of this good stuff and you've hired and you have the right person and you've extended the offer and they've accepted, you need to think about your management style and how you're actually going to work with this person. That is going to be a whole other conversation that we're going to have. And Mary, frankly, is the expert in that. So we're going to leave that to another day. I know this was a lot of information. Hiring can feel really overwhelming, but I promise you after you do it for the first time, you feel so much more confident about it. Have a consultation with a lawyer. It is a great way to feel comfortable that you're doing the right thing. And I promise you, you will not regret that hire. Thanks so much for listening. I would love to hear more about your hiring journey. Have you hired? Are you thinking about hiring? And what holds you back from hiring if you haven't done so already? If you are not in our podcast Facebook group, you can find us at Fearless Business Podcast HQ. You can also find us at fearlessbusinesspodcast.com or anywhere that you listen to podcasts. We would love your reviews. So if you think we're awesome, like we think you are, please feel free and leave us a review. We love those stars. Thank you so much. And we'll see you next week. Thanks for listening. We'd love it if you'd subscribe and share this podcast. Reviews are amazing too. Please visit fearlessbusinesspodcast.com for more information.
If you'd like to connect with Jamie, visit hashtag legal.com. And if you'd like to connect with Mary, visit the transitionscollective.com. Thanks so much. And we'll see you next time. This podcast is heard along the Marketing Podcast Network. For more great marketing podcasts, visit marketingpodcasts.net.